Hey, welcome back to the next episode of the Developer Career Momentum Podcast. Now, if you're getting this, you signed up via email, you're getting the RSS feed into your application, and uh, we're off to the races. Now, I'm going to cover the fundamentals of the methodology that I use to get momentum in my career, and I'm going to talk specifically, I'm going to tell you stories, I'm going to talk through kind of the ways that I did it. Um, this first episode, I'm really just going to talk about the three major points in building your career momentum and talk a little bit more about kind of the ins and outs of building skills, building your network, and building your personal brand. And then we'll get into actual steps in the next, what, six or seven episodes where we actually talk about, hey, how do you learn stuff? How do you know what to learn? How do you practice? How do you get out to events? How do you meet people? What do you do at a conference? What do you do with the local community? How do you get a mentor, right? Um, how do you put content out there that people are going to pick up? How do I build a side project that people are going to care about, right? So so we'll get into all that stuff. But for right now, um, since those are all kind of the building blocks of the big three things that we're talking about here um, that are uh, building your skills, building your network, and then building your personal brand, let's talk a little bit about those real quick. So the first one is building skills. And I think this is the one, especially if you're a newer programmer, this is the one that you really kind of focus on and you get excited about, right? It's like, okay, how do I become a better Ruby on Rails developer? Or how do I just knock it out of the park with my React skills? How do I prove that I know what I'm talking about when I get into this stuff? And the reality is, is that it's, it is and it isn't that simple, right? Because it's, it's not just enough to know this stuff. You, you have to be able to apply it. You have to be able to see the patterns that exist in the code or in the design and be able to apply the right things at the right time to get the right effect. And a lot of it is kind of fundamental, but a lot of it isn't. A lot of it really just comes with the practice of in and out and feel, right? And so when we're talking about building skills, there's more to it than just like taking a Udemy course, right? There's more to it than picking up you know, a book or sitting down with a mentor or figuring out this, that, or the other, right? There, there are pieces to this that really come together for the way that you, you actually learn these skills, right? And so when you learn a skill, you have to be able to actually do it after you're done, right? And so the best way to learn in a lot of cases is to do it, right? It's to, it's to do it over and over and over again until it sticks. And so I'm, I'm, when we're talking about building skills, a lot of these skills really, it's about, okay, you took the course or you watched the video, right? And, and at Top End Devs, we're working on providing you, you know, 10 minute, you know, kind of daily stuff that you can pick up, right? So you can learn the skill. But then what we want you to do is we want you to go and jump into your code editor and use it, right? The other thing that I also want to hit with this is that a lot of times the junior developers or mid-level developers, they get so focused on the technical skills that they don't realize that it really, really pays off to have some of the other skills. And there are two other sets of skills that I want to talk about. One of them is uh, soft skills, right? So and I hate the term soft skills because it really doesn't describe what it's about. It's people skills. It's team skills. Okay. So when we're talking about skills in this arena, what we're talking about is how do I show up and help my teammates, help my friends, help my, you know, people in my community? How do I appear in their life in a way that makes it easier for them to get their work done, makes it easier for them to show up, makes it easier for them to level up? right? A lot of these skills are considered leadership skills. 
Um, and some of them are leadership skills just by virtue of you being an example, right? So when we're talking about soft skills, we're talking about that, but also, hey, how do I help the team stay on task? How do I help the team know what to work on? Help the team get the things done that we've committed to, right? So you've got all these different pieces that, that come into it and all of those are soft skills. So I'm gonna talk probably tomorrow where you're gonna get into, hey, you know, how do I learn this stuff, right? How do I up my skills? And we'll go into more depth, but I just want to shine a light on the fact that you have these skills. And then the other skill set, so people get focused on um, kind of the core technologies they use, right? So you're usually talking about something like React, right? How do I level up my React skills? You know, when I was early on in my career, it's like, how do I learn Rails better? And then it was, how do I learn Ruby better, right? How do I learn to deal with the database better, right? But there were a few skills that I kind of neglected until I was forced to learn them, like how do I deal with my text editor? How do I deploy my apps? How do I work on the command line? You know, and so you've got all of the tools and techniques and uh, design patterns and, and things like that that aren't the code, right? But play into your ability to actually get your job done, right? And you need to learn those too, right? Um, one example of this is just, um, so before I was a developer, software developer, um, I was attending the university. And while I worked there, uh, or while I attended there, I worked there, I worked in the IT department. And initially I worked in the network operations center, NOC, which was adjacent to the data center. And so we maintained all the networking and servers for the university, right? And when I started there, it was just kind of in a back room in one of the buildings. And by the time I graduated, they had actually built the data center underground between two of the buildings. And it took up a whole bunch of space and since the university I attended was a church-owned university, the church had a whole bunch of their servers down there too, and we maintained a lot of the infrastructure for the church. But what was interesting was that because of the way that that worked and the way we had to either troubleshoot batch jobs or uh, get on the server and do specific things or grant specific access to some of the other sysadmins and things like that, and then eventually I moved on to the sysadmin group and worked on their stuff and worked on VMware. But I became very, very proficient at command line, right? So bash, K shell, I think we had some other shells, you know, down there too, you know, depending on what operating system we were on. But the point is, is that um, that proficiency in command line is something that is something that I have continued to develop throughout my career. And it's something that has helped me over and over and over again, because I know how to get the information that I need and then find the commands that I need in order to run things. And when I run a command on the command line from a tutorial, I know what it does most of the time. And so I understand those skills when I have to deploy something and then get on the server and get the information I need, right? And so there are kind of these tangential skills that have made that difference. One other example is um, there was a job and I remember my boss taking me aside later on and saying, You're, we looked at your resume and I, I wasn't even gonna give you a chance. You only got a chance because you knew so-and-so. And the only reason you got the job was because you knew how to set up a CI/CD server and we were looking to do that. And because your friend vouched for you that you were competent enough to do the job, right? And after I'd been there for a few months, he was comfor comfortable enough with me to tell me this and say, and it turned out that you had the technical chops that we needed. But he wasn't even sure about that to begin with. And it was because I had done that in the previous two jobs that I'd had. And I understood how to deploy a lot of the, the applications, even though we had an IT group for that. I could set up, you know, testing servers and, and stuff like that. 
for us on the development team, and I was able to provide those tools. I got my first programming job. I got it because the one of the partners in the firm, it was a it was a consulting firm. Um, <clears throat> he's the one that set up all their servers and stuff, and he wanted help maintaining it. And because I had that IT experience from the university, it made me very attractive to them because I could do both jobs. So I'm just saying, you know, if if you're looking at those jobs, that those, those is a job skill area that is going to make a huge difference. And then the other thing is, is if you can up the performance, like I said before, of the overall team and move that stuff forward, it really makes a big difference. Um, when you show up on the team, makes you indispensable. So, so I'm, I'm talking about those skills. Then you practice it, right? And so that's, that's one of the other things. And we'll talk a little bit more about practice. I think we're going to do that in two episodes. And then the other thing that I recommend is that you have a side project to put this stuff on. And that's all going to go into that practice episode. Um, but these are all ways of building your skills. And then the other thing is, is just knowing what to learn. Like I said, we'll talk about that. But effectively, the ways that I figured out what I needed to learn was by talking to people at users groups, talking to people at conferences, um, and then just going online and seeing what the online discussions were. So I usually looked at forums and mailing lists, and I got a pretty good idea of what was going on. There are newsletters out there that send out lists of articles. And that's not a bad place to start either. So there are a lot of places that are going to give you ideas on where to go for that stuff. All right, so let's talk about building your network now. Now, for me, the most effective way to build the network was actually local meetups, okay? Some people are going to be surprised by that because the reality is, is I've been podcasting about programming for the last, what, like 16 years, 17 years. And the reality is, is that most of the people I've met that are kind of at the high level of the community, yeah, I met them through the podcast. But the thing is, is that I typically wasn't talking to them day in and day out. Um, I talked to my co-hosts, and some of them were some of those high-profile people. But the reality is, is that for the most part, I met them through the local meetups. And so if you can find a local meetup, just go on meetup.com, put in software development, look in your area. Uh, sometimes they have meetups for a particular technology. I met people through the local Ruby group. Um, which doesn't meet up anymore, which is really sad. And we're, we're trying to actually bring it back. But um, yeah, go find those groups and start attending, right? And I'll talk a little bit more about how to set one up and run it. And then I'll also talk a little bit more about what to do if you already have one that's working so that you can make a, the most of that in three episodes, okay? So that'll be episode four. Um, and then the other thing is, is that from there, it's how do you build relationships that you can use to advance your career, either by finding a better job or by getting feedback on your code or things like that uh, to kind of make that work. And, uh, you know, that'll come into episode four as well. Now, episode five, I'm going to talk to you more about how to build your personal brand. And I usually do this through content. Now, that's no surprise. I've been podcasting, like I said, for like 16 or 17 years. But what I found is that having that personal brand has given me the opportunity in several cases to be able to find the job that I wanted. So just a quick example of this, and this is from back in like 2011, I got laid off from my job, right? It was actually like our third wedding anniversary. And um, I went home, I applied to a bunch of jobs online. Uh, I got called in for an interview that afternoon, went down to the interview. I did the interview. I walked out the door and I, I had answered some of the questions as, hey, I've done a video on this because at the time I was doing a screencast series and I'd taken it over from somebody else, but I'd done the screencast series and I was putting out a video like every week and I was saying, hey, here's how you do this thing in Rails. And so um, the guy who was doing the interview, he actually, 
um, went and watched one of the videos when I walked out the door. And so about 10 minutes later, right, the video gets over. What does he do? He picks up the phone. Hey, when can you start, right? And I hadn't told him I'd been laid off that morning, but I was like, hey, I can start tomorrow. And so I went home, I took my wife out to dinner and I started my new job the next day. And the thing that really made the difference was that I had content out there so that people could see what I was able to do. Now, at this point in my career, um, during COVID, uh, I was having a lot of trouble making ends meet with podcast sponsorships, which is what I made my living on for like six years prior to that, for those six years. And so I actually applied for a job. And um, speaking of networking, I did it through a guy that I worked with, incidentally, at that job that I just told you I had gotten way back when. Um, but the the other piece of that was that he's like, I can't interview you because we're friends, right? And I was like, fine, right? And he, he was going to be my boss or my boss's boss. But anyway, um, so the other people that interviewed me, I went in and sat down and they're like, by the way, we love your podcast. It's awesome, right? And we sat there and we BSed about the pod, I'm not kidding, about the podcast for 45 minutes. And then they offered me a job. Okay. So they didn't ask me technical questions. They didn't ask me, you know, anything like that. All, the, all they did is they talked to me about the content. They knew I was competent because they'd heard me talking about it for the last 10 plus years. Right. And so at the end of the day, I just got the job. And, and that really makes a big difference there. But the other thing is, is that if you're consistently learning and growing and explaining things to people and putting stuff out there so that people can see what you know and they're benefiting from what you know, then what happens is at the end of the day, you're actually put in a position where um, people will hire you already knowing what you know. Um, another friend of mine, uh, John Sanmez, he started his blog, Simple Programmer, and uh, he did it for a few years. And he actually got an offer out of the blue, right? They didn't even interview him. Like he didn't even apply. And they reached out to him and said, hey, do you want a job? Here's the salary. And he just turned around and said, sure, because it was making, he was making more there than he was where he was at, you know, at the time. And so all of these things open up doors and opportunities. It also feeds back into your ability to network because what I found is that I'm able to reach out to people now and say, hey, I'd like to discuss whatever with you. Or I can bring in examples where I've talked to people who are experts in a particular area and have it lend me credibility, right? And so all of these things play into my ability then to negotiate with people and get what I need. So if you want to stay at your company, this can help just by virtue of the fact that you can send your podcast interview or your YouTube video or whatever to somebody in your company that's aware of the importance of whatever technologies, right? Or if you're exploring a set of technologies, you can do a set of podcast interviews about it, right? And then you can send those as evaluations to your company, and it makes you look incredibly competent. And then you can use that to grow your, your career, right? And so you build momentum by building this content engine. And then I've worked at some places that were awesome, 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 awesome acquired, and then not awesome, not awesome, right? As things kind of changed, right? just wasn't a good fit for me. I'm not criticizing anybody, but you know, it just changed from what I was used to. And then I decided that it just wasn't the place that I wanted to be at. And so I was able to move because of the relationships I had through the podcast relationships I had through the local meetup group. And I was able to just really, really move the needle with people because I could talk to them 
about stuff that they already knew that I knew. All right. So, so far, so good. You can also do this with open source, by the way. You can attribute to open source. Um, the, the difference, though, is, is that people typically don't specifically see your individual contributions, except for the other people that are part of the open source project. And so what you're typically going to get out of that is you'll get a referral from somebody who owns the contract, or not the contract, who owns the product project that you're working on and is going to say, hey, this is the, the framework, right? The test framework or the web framework, right? And I'm the guy that does the framework and so-and-so is indispensable, right? And so then you'll, you'll get jobs or raises or whatever, right? Because you can get that referral. Um, the last thing that uh, I tell people to do, there are two things, actually. One of them is to go to conferences, right? And conferences are like meetups, except on steroids, right? They're bigger. Uh, there are more talks. There's more prestige. I've spoken at conferences and gotten calls out of the blue from people offering me jobs simply because I spoke at conference, right? It's like, hey, you spoke at RailsConf. Are you, are you interested in working with, for us, right? And they want me to do stuff that has nothing to do with what I talk about, right? I, I just, I got credibility just from that. So, um, but even if you're not doing that, if you go, you get to meet people from all over the world. It gives you a real good opportunity to get a feel for what's coming next. And I recommend that you do that at least once a year. Um, I'm working on creating some situations so that if you can't travel, that it's still an option for you to come and get a solid growth experience, both from the talks and from the networking. I really, really believe in the networking that comes out of conferences. And so if we can do that virtually for people who can't travel for whatever reason, you know, whether it's budget or, you know, you come from a poor country and you just can't afford a trip to the U.S. or, you know, or Europe or wherever they're holding the conference, right? I want to give you an opportunity. So I'm working on that. But in the meantime, if you can participate one way or the other, um, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you do that. And then the last thing is, is that a lot of people, they get these ideas about what they want to do and where they want to go. And they just kind of daydream about it, but they don't actually do anything about it. And so what I want you to do is I want you to sit down and just say, okay, this is where I want to end up, right? Even if you don't think it's realistic, even if you don't think it's a possibility, even if you're just like, I could never be the person speaking at the big JavaScript conference or the big Elixir conference, right? I, I just can't imagine myself keynoting it, right? But that's really in your heart what you want. I really want you to think about, okay, what, do I, what can I do to start moving in that direction, right? What can I start doing to think about being that person, right? And it may be that the next thing you do is go and take speaking classes, right? Or maybe you want to be an architect, or maybe you want to make courses, right? So you go and you start thinking about those skills, right? How deeply do I need to know React? How deeply do I need to know Next.js? How deeply, or, or, you know, if it's another technology, you know, whatever, you know, pick your poison. But what do I need to do to get there? right? Start breaking it down. And then once you have that roadmap figured out, right? I need to do this, 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 this. I need to speak at a conference at this level. Um, I probably need to be on the speaking circuit for six months and be speaking twice a month for a year or whatever, right? So you kind of figure that out as you go. And then once you've kind of been speaking at a lot of the conferences, right? Then you start preparing some keynote level uh, deals, right? And maybe in the meantime, you have a channel like a YouTube channel or a podcast or something like that. It opens up a whole bunch of opportunities for you to grow and learn and, and be in that position where you can actually prove that you're the kind of person that they want to put on stage in front of people, right? 
And so now you've got all these things working for you. Then you can start to put it out there and say, hey, look, you know, I've been working on this keynote speech for the last three months about how to improve your programming career, right? How to get momentum in your programming career. You start putting it out there, right? I'm, I haven't been super keen on the keynote scene, but if, if that's what I was doing, right, that's what I'd start putting together. You know, maybe float another idea or two, right? Hey, you know, I've got an idea around this or hey, you know, um, <clears throat> AI, right? Blah, 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 AI, right? You know, where you start to show up as the expert in a particular area that does cover that keynote level stuff, right? Or maybe it'll open doors for you to contribute to open source where you become uh, a key contributor to some open source technology, right? So there are a lot of ways in you and you can look and see who the keynote speakers are and you can look and see what they're kind of known for. And then you can kind of back off from there and say, okay, I need to be showing up in the ways that they show up. But, but you, you know, sit down and figure that out. And then the thing is, is what may happen is you may go take that speaking class or that, you know, whatever other class, right? Or, you know, maybe you start learning a certain skill set and you go speak at your first couple of things, right? You go speak at the meetup groups a couple of times and you're just like, okay, speaking terrifies me and I never, ever want to do it again, right? <clears throat> but if you still feel that sense of fulfillment from your vision of being a keynote speaker, maybe you have to get over it, right? So you figure out how to get past it. Or maybe you're just like, nope, I just, I can't, I can't deal. I can't, I can't get there. Then you change your vision, right? And you say, okay, well, then I'm just going to be the biggest, baddest, darndest open source contributor that there ever was, right? And so then you go get involved in a project or you start a project that's going to get you to that place, right? What are people going to need two years down the road and how can I start on it now to build open source that's going to support it, right? And so you start opening those doors. But what that does is it gives you that, that shorter time frame of a few months that you can say, okay, well, then in the next few months, in order to get where I need to be in order to be, be where I need to in two years, right? Because I'm skating toward the puck to use a, uh, a common uh, idiom, right? That, that's what you start doing, right? So it's like, okay, so in, in three months, I need to be here. And so I'm going to start doing these things in order to show up that way. So those are the seven things. I'm also going to be, um, like I said, like seven episodes. There are a few other things that kind of go into that, like how to know what to learn versus how to learn it. So you might get eight or nine episodes, but as we work that out, um, definitely stay tuned. Um, tomorrow it's going to be how to learn. And then, you know, the one after that's going to be what to learn. And the reason is, is because I think it's more important for you to establish the habit of learning than it is for you to know what to learn in particular, right? So if you don't have time to figure out, you know, to implement the strategy on what to learn right now, I still want you picking things up, right? Even if it's, hey, here's a key combo for Visual Studio Code, or here's a fundamental library that's part of React or whatever, right? Until you have that plan and you know what to learn and you know where it's going to take you to get you what you want. But anyway, that's kind of the intro to this podcast. The episodes are probably going to be 20 to 30 minutes, and uh, I'm really looking forward to talking to you. So um, as we kind of work through this, um, I'm looking forward to getting to know you. And then at the end... In, in the last episode, I'm actually going to make you an offer where you can get on a coaching call with me for free and we can discuss where you're trying to get to and kind of figure out some of these pieces. So stay tuned, uh, listen to all the episodes and then, yeah, uh, look for that link at the end and uh, let me know. One, oh, one other thing that I wanted to point out. So there are going to be show notes for these episodes, but you have to have a top end devs account to get in. Now you can get one for free. 
you just have to go uh, click the login link, click sign up, and then just enter your information. And it'll show up in your dashboard. And then you can go look at the, um, the, the show notes. If you're, if you're not signed in, then it won't show them to you, right? It'll tell you that you have to be signed in in order to get it. You don't have to pay for a subscription. It's not part of the paid subscription, but it does get you into the system and, and get you familiar with how to get the information that we have. So anyway, there you go. And until next time, Max out.